When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Zolgad here, and I got a question for you. Do you need a great place to host your next event? Park Tavern hosts events for all ages and stages of life. Open 365 days a year, Park Tavern is perfect for birthday parties, engagement events, baby and bridal showers, celebration of life events, sports teams and office parties, you name it. Park Tavern will make your event one to remember and help you with the planning. No deposits or upfront fees required. For information, visit scorenorth.com and enter keyword park. Then come out, eat, drink, bowl, celebrate, or watch your favorite game. Visit scorenorth.com and enter keyword Park. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Realistic Randy Rants every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. You have uh been consuming Vikings Ventline, the Purple Daily audience that is, for the last you know few days. You helped set us a record. The three and a half hours we were live because we thought the Vikings were suffering the worst defeat of all time. Turns out it was the greatest comeback in terms of points of all time. So thank you to everyone for doing that. You can also find a more dissection on that game uh, from our first live reaction of the first hour, Randy, uh, where we were just ripping the Vikings. And then to the last 90 minutes where we were watching the Vikings slowly, methodically come all the way back and react to that. Uh, so that's why I'm actually excited to talk to you about it because I've talked to Mackie and Judd now for like accumulation of four hours since uh, since halftime of the Vikings and Colts game. So I'm excited to talk and get your opinion on that epic, crazy comeback by the Vikings who improved 11-3, and erase a 33-point deficit. And my God, Randy, there's just no quit in this Vikings team. They pull off the unthinkable with a massive and the greatest comeback. Let's just call it what it is because it is. The greatest comeback in NFL history. Your thoughts. Dude, I, I still can't believe it. I can't believe that that happened. You had, in the first half, it was a tale of two halves. You had a total meltdown in the first half. It was so bad. And I feel like, when it comes to Vikings fandom, do you know what it's like to get these routine beatdowns? Whether it's 2016 Colts, 38-7 yeah. to seven against the Eagles. 33 nothing in the first half against the Colts this past Sunday or this past Saturday, these routine beatdowns to where it's so embarrassing that friends and family members call in to check on you. Yeah. People that root for other teams, they don't even want to make I fun know. of you. It's just, hey, this is so bad. <laughs> I feel bad for you. I just wanted to check in and make sure that you're okay. That's how bad it was. And then in the second half, it was a party. Everything was clicking. Kirk Cousins in the first half. And you remember last week we talked about this as far as, well, 
what's going to happen? What does Kirk need to do to get the monkey off of his back as far as the national perception that he can't get his team through in the clutch? And I said, well, I think he has to win a championship, even though I think it's unfair. That's the only way he's going to get it off of him. I think it's over with now. You lead the greatest comeback in the history of this sport in the first half. Kirk Cousins was 6 for 12, 43 yards, and an interception. He threw two interceptions on the day, by the way, both of which were not his fault. We're going to talk about Jalen Rieger a little bit later today. The second half, 28 for 42, 427, four touchdowns, one interception. Are you kidding me? Everything was clicking for this team. And then, sidebar here, I'm so done with the officiating in this league. I'm so tired of seeing exciting plays happen in real time and having before I allow myself to jump up and get so emotional. And, oh, we just did that. That's so awesome. Yeah. I have to check and see how are the refs going to screw this up. Two fumble, two fumble recoveries for touchdowns, what should have been for touchdowns, one of which didn't even happen. You called the Colts down by contact. On the same player, Channon Sullivan, how does that happen? They're just so whistle happy knee-jerk reactions i'm just so confused i don't know what's happening let me just go ahead and blow the whistle just go ahead and let it go and you can always review it turnovers and scoring plays are automatically reviewed Mm -hmm. get the call right these refs are just buffoons that they need to get retrained this next offseason but back to this game this came down to two monumental moments for me after the 64-yard touchdown by dalvin cook okay you need the two-point conversion to tie this game at 36 all. TJ Hawkinson got the two-point. I said, oh, they really did it. They really came back and even the score. Holy smokes. The second moment for me in overtime, you had to trust Greg Joseph to get it done. And this was another moment in Vikings history where big game, Vikings kicker, what could go wrong? My family, we were all in the living room, and everyone's just saying, hey, man, I don't know about this. And I said, I don't even know about this. And maybe technically is not monumental in the sense that even in a tie game, you still clinch the NFC North division. But we talked about this last week. You don't want to go to Santa Clara and play the San Francisco 49ers. They are breathing down your neck right now for the two seed. So if you tie it, you risk giving up the two seed and then falling down to three, worst case scenario. And he made that kick, and I just – I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it. That was, they went from, to me, in the first half, the softest team in the league to one of the toughest teams in the league after that. Let's uh, let, let's pick apart your first point there of Kirk Cousins proving doubters wrong, which is something you and I have been just pontificating on from before the season and now during the season. And I want to go here because I, I think it's just fascinating to watch this play out. Um, so Matt Ryan is obviously responsible for the biggest Super Bowl collapse of all time, and is now has a second black eye of the biggest regular season comeback also on his resume. And some might say he's not the one playing defense. He's also the one that can control the other outcome and keep your team ahead. And now he, for two halves, two halves, in a borderline Hall of Fame career, is now going to be remembered mostly, not for an MVP, which he won in 2016, not for... 12 years of quarterbacking a franchise and fulfilling him being a first-round pick and a great quarterback prospect, he is going to be remembered for two of the worst collapses of all time. And all of a sudden, all that good that he has done, box score-wise, statistics-wise, awards-wise, that's for nothing 
because of two terrible, terrible halves. Okay, on the Kirk Cousins front, it's always been overpaid, can't win big games, and I guess this was still a noon game, but can't win big games, doesn't do it in the clutch, doesn't do it in the playoffs. And now all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins has seven fourth-quarter comebacks in one season, is responsible for the greatest comeback that's ever taken place in a game, and certainly there's still more to play out in the playoffs and Super Bowl, and that's, to be honest, where we'll probably get the, his, his just desserts and where he will earn that respect of how far and how well he plays in those Vikings playoff games. But it's amazing to me how quickly, Randy, that a narrative and a perception of a player's career can change just like that, right? Like Kirk's performances in this season alone have now, oh yeah, like, yeah, he was really bad uh, in, in primetime games and hasn't really ever been to the playoffs that much. And now all of a sudden, after 13, 14 football games in 2022, we're now on the precipice of saying, wow, this guy's a special player and he still has more to do. But I just, I, when I was watching the collapse take place and watching Matt Ryan and the Colts basically bleep it down their leg, I couldn't help but compare the two thinking how perception in the NFL can change so damn quickly over what should be just box score wise, Hall of Fame players, but how quickly all that can just be a race for nothing. Well, the meltdown by Matt Ryan in the second half is everything that everyone has said or thought for Kirk Cousins to be. And to be honest, it's not even just this season. He has shown Kirk Cousins, the only thing that gets in the way of him being great is himself because you can tell at times he gets in his own head and all shucks and he's thinking too much and he takes himself out the game basically. But in terms of his talent, what he's capable of, he's shown so many moments over the years going back to what 2019, there was the Eagles game that, and I was there in attendance at us bank stadium. There was that linebacker who's no longer in the league. I think his name is Zach Brown called out Kirk cousins and cousins put on a clinic. He and Stefan Diggs in that game. Also 2019, Vikings versus Chiefs. They lost that game. Goodness, what's the score right now? They lost that game, Vikings-Chiefs 2019, 26-23, and that was at Arrowhead. Kirk Cousins threw three touchdowns that game, all on third downs. You had the playoff game against the Saints. 2021, the entire season where the defense couldn't do anything worth a damn, much like this year, except for I'm going to give them some credit for that Colts game. But the reason why the Vikings were still in games all last season was because of the quarterback. Kirk Cousins, what he did on Saturday is not surprising in the sense that that is what he's always capable of if he allows himself to do it. But man, there's nothing else you can say now. I think that narrative, that cookie cutter of he just can't get it done, garbage time points, he's not the quarterback that you can rely on. It's over with now because he has on his hat now. I just led the greatest comeback in the history of this sport. Are you kidding me? And like I said, I said this on my YouTube channel earlier today. If we're going to attach 28 to 3 and 33 to nothing to Matt Ryan's legacy, or, and I know this this is apples to oranges because we're talking about in the postseason, but in basketball, 3-1 lead for the Golden State Warriors. They blew that. Mm -hmm. If we're going to attach blown leads to legacies, then it applies the same as far as the players or the teams that overcame that. And there's nothing more to say about Kirk Cousins. It's incredible. Yeah, and then that's where, yes, we still got some games to play out. It would be disastrous if they just get blown out in wild card weekend. And I still think there's a lot of outlets and people that think that'll still happen, that they don't scare anyone when it comes to the playoff time. And again, I think it is how Kirk performs the playoffs. It'll be more of the 
chunk of that pie of all his perception changes, not necessarily comebacks in the regular season. But it is, it's just remarkable you watch how, how both those two have, have just uh, have changed. Uh, Randy, let's, let's actually go on the defensive side for now before we get back to some other great offensive notes. Uh, Jalen Rieger and K.J. Osborne, um, I know we're going to get into that. But defensively, you know, I'll say this for the Vikings and at Donatel. The Colts only scored one offensive touchdown. You know, they, they, they were put in terrible field position because KOC couldn't convert some fourth downs. There was obviously the special teams miscues. Uh, I know Kirk also threw a pick six. Not really his fault, which we're going to get into from Rieger's point of view. Um, but the defense held him to just one offensive touchdown. They put the clamps in the red zone. They were blitzing Matt Ryan and in his face all damn game. The defense bounced back. And to be honest, yes, you look at 36 points. And you see, like, oh god, or thirty-three points, and you say, oh, what, what, what the hell? That's that's awful. But really, well, it's it's more of I, I saw one offensive touchdown, and if you're putting clamps, the reds on your blitzing. These are the ideas and the ingredients that you and I have been saying that hey, if you do all these things, the bend and don't break does work. You can get away with it. And I thought Ed Donatel's reactions, Ed Donatel's tweaks to yesterday's or uh, Saturday's win over the Colts was a positive step in the right direction. That's what I would like to see the rest of the way from that defense. The Colts as a team, they scored 36 points. And however, they did score three touchdowns as a team as well. But in terms of just the defense, because two of those touchdowns was the pick six and the punt block return for a touchdown. If you extract just the Vikings defensive performance alone, one touchdown allowed, and that was only after a turnover, the Dalvin Cook fumble in the first quarter, the one touchdown allowed and five field goals, all in all, 22 points allowed by this defense. I don't know about you. That's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. You mentioned they blitz more. According to Kevin Seifert, they blitzed in the second half 12 out of 20 dropbacks. And Matt Ryan, he got sacked three times. The Colts offense did next to nothing. In the second half, they scored just three points. Goodness, Hunter and Kendricks combined, they got two and a half sacks. Kendricks also had four tackles for losses. Harrison Phillips, the nose, the nose tackle, <laughs> Yeah, 10 tackles. Are you kidding me? 10 tackles on the day for the nose tackle? Duke Shelley was sensational. I think the main thing that we're seeing here, and we've talked about this all season long, is that, you know what, press coverage, you want to do that? That'd be nice. I think you should do it once in a while. That'd be great. But you just need to blitz. You can't just drop back. You can't get pressure as it is with just a four-man rush. You need to blitz more. And it gives the secondary opportunity to opportunities to make plays. And you saw that. Now, the flip side is, it is the Colts. They're 4-9-1 and one for a reason. I mean, my goodness. Matt Ryan, you blew a 33-0 lead after the first half. It is the Colts. I don't know as far as how they would look against other teams, but a win is a win, and that's all that matters. But they got the job done. I think this should hopefully click into Ed Donatel's head. Why not do this for a whole ass game? Mm -hmm. Because in the first half, they blitzed just four times. Do this for a whole, stop doing this in halves for one game. Do it for the entire game. Yeah, and that's where making the adjustments to blitz more, uh, pressure rates, doing these things that they weren't doing basically all season. It was a season high amount of blitz, to to your point, that they pointed out on on Matt Ryan. So can you do kind of this stuff more, and can you rotate these guys in where life's going to be a lot easier? I want to get to Duke Shelley here in just a second, but if the 49ers could potentially stumble here in one of these next two games, they got Washington, uh, who's a pesky team, and I believe then they go to the Raiders 
uh, for their second to last game for finishing against Arizona, which will which will probably be mostly just a, a rest fest from them. But if they can get, if the Vikings can get a leg up, one more game up on San Fran, as in the Vikings beat the Giants, they beat the Packers, and potentially San Fran stumbles one more time, well, then life gets a lot easier um, from in terms of resting those players, giving Zadarius Smith some time off, and getting that defense fully healthy for the time being when you do start wild card weekend uh, about a month's time from now, because some of these guys are just strictly banged up. Everyone's banged up by the end of the football season at this point. Everyone's dealing with nicks and bruises and sores and, and pain. But if you can man get an extra, basically a mini bye week, essentially, from your starter's point of view, uh, that you can rest some of these guys, it's going to make life so much easier. And then in the playoffs, to your point, and we saw us again in the Saints playoff win in 2019, they moved Everson Griffin and they moved Neil Hunter to the other side, right? They were, they were changing them all over the place. Can you then disguise new things that you haven't been doing much this season with fully healthy players or healthier players because they got some time off so it makes your life easier in the playoffs and you won't hopefully get completely gashed like you have been for the most part of this season. We're talking about if they can have that luxury to yeah. rest their starters in week 18. And quite honestly, Declan, I don't see it happening because the Niners, the rest of the way, their remaining three games, that game against Seattle, last Thursday night, I think that was the toughest of the remaining games of the season for them. They've got the Washington Commanders at Santa Clara. They've got the Raiders. They've got the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray is out for the year. Even when he was healthy, they're still a bad football team. I think they're going to win out. I don't think the Vikings can afford to say, well, you know what? Week 18 will be good. You need that two seed to avoid a possible trip to Santa Clara. You're going to have to win out. I don't think it If somehow, if there is one team of these remaining three games for San Francisco, it's the Commanders. They're a tough, gritty football team. They're the one that can maybe get a sneak win and pull off the upset. I just don't see it happening. So assuming that the 49ers, they're going to win out, which I think they will, the Vikings, they have no choice. Yeah, you can't really control that destiny. Um, NFL's weird, of course. Upsets can happen here and there. Uh, but if, if they could go into that Bears game, for sure knowing it's a full resting of starters, that obviously would be great. Yeah, I mean, the, the stumbling uh, from the Niners' point of view would, would be great because if you can go into the Packers game, and even if, let's say, you got up big in the Packers game, maybe the second half, you know, you can put some of the B squad in because you know that you basically have a game and a half lead at that point going into the last week of the season. Yeah, we're, we're still ahead of ourselves, and we will talk about the Giants game coming up later in the podcast, too. Uh, but sticking with that defensive side, the Duke of Shelley, man. I mean, this guy has come out of completely left field, a waiver claim, essentially, or a practice squad pickup, I should say, from Kwesi right before the season started. And he had the big pass breakup, I believe, in Buffalo, uh, and now is getting basically first-team reps and was the highest-graded player and one of the most standout, noticeable players for that Vikings team uh, on, on Saturday against the Colts. And man, they might have a diamond in the rough here with a, a great cornerback who all of a sudden is playing himself into a starter. Who would have thought that after <laughs> drafting Andrew Booth Jr. and a Caleb Evans to this team, you still have Cam Dansler as well. When you think about the cornerbacks that they had coming into this season, who would have thought that the story of the year, as far as I'm concerned, at cornerback, is none other than Duke Shelley. This dude is a monster. He is a baller. And what I appreciate about him the most is that he has what's been referred to as next play amnesia, as well as for him, next game amnesia. He could have a bad game or a bad play, but it does not affect him. It reminds me of Trey Waynes. He'll mess up one play, and then he'll make up for it the very next. That's very valuable. You can't teach that in football players. Not at all. 
But Duke Shelley, the one thing I will say about him is that the skill set that he has, I still just I need to see more from him consistently in a whole game where he's the starter, where he plays end zone to end zone. Because I think at times he can get a little bit antsy and undisciplined to where he can easily let the receiver get behind him, especially if they're playing deep into the opponent's territory. He can let receivers get behind him and he'll draw flags and penalties at times. He can be a bit handsy, but man, if he can just figure it out, the upside to him is incredible. He has no ceiling as far as his potential play. This man is a beast. And I am so glad that we're seeing someone from the secondary. And my goodness, we've got Cam Dantzler who's been injured and Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr. Even though we've had all those players, it just hasn't really clicked at all this year. This has been the one guy, him and Patrick Peterson, of course. But imagine him and P2, if that's what we got to roll with, I'll take my chances. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, being a defensive back in the NFL today is just impossible with, with how offenses are going and how it's just an offensive-driven league. This guy's five foot nine, a buck 70. Yes, like, you, you, you're seeing more of these cornerbacks who are kind of freak monsters, right, with gigantic wingspans and six foot or six foot one. Obviously, Sauce Gardner's like just this massive human being for a cornerback. Then you see guys like Duke Shelley, who if I've stood next to him, you could tell that he's a football player and I'm not, but I, I'm taller than that guy, right? Like you don't see guys who are that small making that big of an impact. And same thing in the red zone, when it's easier to cover, when there's less ground to play, he can come up with a big pass breakup here and might be, yeah, just exactly what you need from a cornerback because the Vikings fans are so sick of this team drafting and missing or, or moving on from cornerbacks over the years. And I get it. But it's such a valuable position, and it's hard to find really good players at that at that position. And they might have just found one on the on the GD waiver wire. Like, who would have thought? I th- I think it's great. He's been he's been phenomenal. Um, I will say, you know, this plotting defense with these veteran players they got all over the place. I know Pat Pat Peterson's playing out of his mind this year. It's been great. Eric Kendricks has been up and down at times. He looks great, but other times he's he's had his moments for sure. Jordan Hicks just seems like just a guy and a one year in and out kind of dude. But Harrison Smith, dude his presence and his ability and he might have sure as he lost some speed because he's up there in age sure it's natural but his just presence on the football field in that first drive alone to help sniff out what would have been a touchdown it gets up to a big loss Colts have to kick a field goal his presence alone when he was injured last week against the Lions you noticed it and he still is able to make big time impacts despite being up there in age the thing is, the Vikings, they have a potential out in his contract. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they'll be able to keep him after this season. So that's the thing you're going to have to figure out. Do you restructure again and push off more dead cap later on again? I don't know if you want to do that, but he's a guy that just he doesn't age in his game at all. It's kind of like Tim Duncan. He's <laughs> not crashing in the dudes. He's not necessarily ending up on Center's top tens. He is just really good at football and making good football plays at the highest level. That's what he's best at. And the fact that he's still doing this at his age right now, because, and and I just think they'll see what they have with Lewisine. I'm looking forward to next year already, certainly to have him now. That's great. But if you go ahead and do a post June 1st release, the Vikings, they'll say 15.3 million in cap. That's something you definitely have to consider, especially Justin Jefferson. He's going to get rich. After this offseason, you have to make decisions there, but he's a veteran. He's great at what he does. And I think because he doesn't, because he's not putting himself in a position to easily get hurt, like you would see a lot of safeties in years past do. They just want to lay the wood and lay the big hit. 
And then eventually it catches up to you. You may separate a shoulder or two. He's just a textbook safety and he does it at the highest level. I'm very thankful for him. The greatest safety that's worn a Vikings jersey as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Um, let's go back to the offense here. So we were going to talk about Jalen Rager uh, and and KJ Osborne. So KJ, let's start with the good there. Let's start with the good. KJ okay, Osborne, yes. great game. Career day. Might be his best, probably is his best game of all time. And it was obviously pretty impressive to see that take place. And you know, we've been kind of wondering, is there something more here, or is he just that third wide receiver basically on, on too good on with, with on a team that has some decent players, but he hasn't taken that next step. Well then yesterday or on Saturday you saw him take that next step. Um just a monster game. You knew the Colts were gonna try to 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 double on JJ and they're gonna try to make him not make an impact. JJ still ends up going for over a hundred yards. Um Thielen was basically a non factor up until the the last few drives of the game and then helped set up the win. But KJ Osborne, like is this was that a mirage? Was that something that we can build upon and, and there is actually more to his game? I guess how did you kind of see it play out and where do you see him long term with the Vikings? Well we saw on Saturday that's what I thought he was always capable of in the first place as far as coming into 2022. It just hasn't been that way. And I want to, before I talk about that, I want to go back all the games that he's had. He had 157 on Saturday against the Colts, yardage. Before that, 38 yards, 17, 8, 17, 35, 0, 8, 18, 41, 6, 73, week three against the Detroit Lions. That's pretty good. Previous two weeks, 25, 14. And he had 157 against the Colts on Saturday. And mind you, that's still with Justin Jefferson on the field. That's also with TJ Hawkinson on the field. Adam Thielen, the fact that I forgot he even was playing before that <laughs> touchdown that he had, it's okay. Because if you can step up step up as that wide receiver three, or in this case with Thielen, if he's not going to do much, the wide receiver two, that's fine. I just feel like he's been very inconsistent. He hasn't stepped up to be that player that we thought he would be, which goes back to that question last week. Have we overrated the Vikings playmakers? But that was a nice step in the right direction to say, okay, if you can continue on that trajectory, maybe we'll have something to talk about. I need to see it more consistently. But that what we saw on Saturday, that's what he's always been capable of. But much of this season, he's had trouble getting separation. But if he can continue to do that, and I want to give shout out to him specifically because it felt like, especially in the second half, he was the first score for the Vikings to get seven points anyway to make it a 26-point game. It felt like every drive, K.J. Osborne just had his fingertips all over it. And the fact that he was, to me, he was the player of the game. He stepped up in the best way possible. It could not be more happy for K.J. Osborne right now. Yeah, I mean, 10 catches, a buck 57. I mean, just just a, a monster day here. So this is his third season in the NFL. So, so next year will be a contract year for him. Um, and I think how he plays down the stretch here and in the playoffs actually probably would work in the Vikings' favor to try to pay him under a relatively nice deal if they wanted to this offseason. It's not a high-priority list. I'm not suggesting you should be locking him up because J.J. is going to take a, a big precedent there, and there's just decisions that have to be made with some veteran players that we just were talking about on the defensive side of the ball. But you know, if he actually ends up turning some things on here and you don't have to negotiate him in a, in a contract year where you're bidding against other teams, and if his camp is open to it, I wouldn't rule out personally signing him to a nice team-friendly deal. He's not going to break the bank. He just he he won't. Now he might bet on himself and saying, "No, I, I'm going to take everything I've done, put it in that contract year, and then I want to go to free agency because I could get paid for a bigger payday." 
completely understand that 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 guy's gamble there. But if he still kind of shows up a little bit more, showing that no, last week wasn't a wasn't a fluke, and I was more like the player two I was in my second season, I would I would be open to the idea of getting him under a nice team friendly deal. Finding good receivers is difficult, and I think getting a guy like KJ Osborne locked up from a team cap wise with, with a Vikings team that is so under the cap could could work out. It's a long shot, don't get me wrong. But if you can get him under contract at a nice term, I would I would play ball there. It would have to be the ultimate team-friendly deal. Not only that, but considering the maneuvering of the cap that the Vikings are going to have to do in 2023, which you saw on Saturday, 157 yards. Obviously, that's not going to happen on a week-to-week basis, but it would have to be a super team-friendly deal. But you would also have to gamble on and say, okay, I think we can get at least 65, 70 yards a game out of this guy as the wide receiver too moving forward. I don't know if you take that chance. Do you do that? And I'm going to pose this question to you. Do you do that? Or would you rather, if you're Quasi Adolfo Mensa, take your chances in the draft and take a rookie wide receiver on a rookie contract, and then that way you want to talk about a team-friendly deal? It doesn't get any better than that. If you had Jamison Williams right now, and I'm going to stop talking about it, (laughs) but if you had Jamison Williams right now, that would certainly help, and this wouldn't even be a tough decision. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I totally get the cap reasons there, and I guess wide receivers, are, are you're starting to find, you can find them almost anywhere in the draft. Um, obviously, the superstars are still in the, t- in the, in the top round, but yeah, I, 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 would, I would also play ball there too, and they could just say, you know what, kind of like Alexander Madison right now, like, Madison, thank you for your services, great, go on, if someone wants to pay you, go and do it, because we're probably not going to do it, and we'll find another one of you in the draft. Um, and that's obviously overarching with running backs in general too, so yeah, he, he had a big game, and honestly, the Vikings offense needs that a little bit so they can prove that they can indeed be a, a, a pretty good team. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, hold, hold on, Randy. Yeah, Pat, he'll, he'll be there in just a second. Everyone loves to open the studio door to, uh, to get my takes on, on things that are going on. Um, taking a look uh, also on the Vikings offense here, Garrett Bradbury obviously had an injury there, uh, lingered again. I thought he would be back for this game. What's your confidence level in that offensive line if they are indeed without Garrett Bradbury uh, for an extended period of time? Well, even when he was healthy, the last couple of games he's played, he's regressed to the means. He started off red hot, but he hasn't been the same player as far as the improvement that we saw early on. So I don't, whether he's there or if it's Austin Schlotman, it doesn't really, it doesn't really waver me in any direction. I think it's all the same. The interior offensive line, that's where the problem lies as a whole. Because Ed Ingram, you want to trip up your quarterback. Ezra Cleveland has really just fallen off the face of the earth. It's your two tackles where your strength lies in the offensive line. But the interior as a whole, whether Garrett Bradbury is there or not, it doesn't make a difference for me. Yeah, look, he's entering a contract year, so he's honestly in in a a big situation for himself, too, to try to figure that out figure that stuff out um but he's had a great season and yeah i don't know if i love austin schlotman playing playoff football games and being your starting center at this sure. point but also get healthy too like if, if this is an if this is a time where you can rest rest guys to our point of of the offense and defense resting starters towards the end of the season i'm obviously um i'm all for that as well uh randy taking a look next week giants last home game of the season the giants who got off red hot i believe did they start seven and one or I think they did. I think they've lost like four of their last five games. They got off to such a great start completely out of nowhere. Uh, Brian Dayball getting Danny Dimes to play really good football. Now all of a sudden they're stumbling a little bit. Um, even when we first saw this game on paper with preseason, we said, 
all right, probably an easier win. Then when we look back at it again a couple months ago, oh, wow, that one's going to be a lot tougher than we thought. Now, as with the Vikings having wrapped up the NFC North, the Giants stumbling a little bit, uh, not as daunting, but certainly not a team you should be taking lightly either. Uh, when the Vikings host the Giants on Sunday, what is what is your gut feeling on how that one should play out? I'm going to answer this in two different ways. The first, I'm going to say on a blank slate, everything being equal. I think the Vikings should win that game. Daniel Jones is not really a threat against the Commanders. They did just win last night, 21 for 32, 160 yards. They don't really have those receivers that should knock your socks off. Saquon Barkley has had a very nice returning year where now he's healthy, 18 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown. So their strength lies in their run game. I think the Vikings should be able to contain that and all things being equal. I think they should win that game, the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, after all, you are playing them at U.S. Bank Stadium. So a quarterback that's not really good, a running a running game that's, okay, it's decent. Against this team, the Vikings should win nine out of ten times. And now the second way I'm going to answer this. If you remember, Declan Goff against the Buffalo Bills, that miraculous win <laughs> that they had. Or even going back to 2017, the Minneapolis Miracle. And, oh, my God, that was so great. One that goes down in the history books. This is the greatest play we've ever seen. You just beat the Indianapolis Colts 39-36. And, my God, the emotions in that game. Everyone's talking about you. The national media, they're all of a sudden kissing your ass. You're feeling good about yourself. And it took everything to come back and win that game. The common or commonality in though in that game and every other game I just mentioned is the letdown. Yeah. You're such on <laughs> a high horse. You feel so good about yourself. How do you come back down to earth for the next game? We saw it this season against yeah. the Dallas Cowboys, right. forty to three yeah. after beating the Buffalo Bills. No, absolutely. Can you get it together for this game? That's the only thing that's stopping this team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it basically how it all plays out because you don't want to see them go in there and just be a complete letdown for that one either. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious too, dude, just how basically it'll, it'll shake down. And I, I think the Vikings should be able to still get one more home win. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites going into the game. Uh, so we'll see if the Vikings can close out the regular season home schedule on a positive note there. Um, seven and one so far at home this year. So you have a chance to go eight and one at home. You got the ninth home playoff game next year. Obviously AFC will flip. They'll get the nine home playoff games, but you took advantage of your home schedule. And then can you basically, could you piecemeal your road schedule? And that's how basically this team has gotten themselves to get to an 11 or even 13, 14 win season. Um, Randy, taking a look at the NFC playoffs we do as usually before we wrap here. So obviously the, the Cowboys stumbled uh, with Dak basically giving the game away at the end. The Buccaneers, who are, who are going to be probably, or whoever it is, an under 500 team will get the, that four seed. But just taking a look at the wild card potentials here. So the Vikings, if the playoffs started today, would host the Washington Commanders at home um, in, 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 in a game. And I know the, the Vikings played them pretty well in Washington. This time it'd be back in Minnesota. Uh, is that, I'm going to ask you this again, and we're, we've been asking you, I've been asking the last few weeks, is that still the one of the more ideal opponents for you uh, if the Vikings had wild card weekend hosting against the Commanders? I think that's the best situation for the Vikings playing the seventh seed. That, I would also say the Giants as well. What I do not like or what I'm fearful of is two of these potential teams sneaking in and taking the seventh spot from the commanders. That is the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. Yeah. The Lions are on a tear right now, and 
It's something about divisional games, and then you meet up in the playoffs. We're one and one for that trilogy, potentially, in the wild card round. I don't want to see either of those teams. I think the only matchup you want, or one of two teams, the Commanders and the Giants. Anything else, don't let any of these other two teams sneak in for the seventh spot. Yeah, that that's where I'm at, too. I think Seattle is a bigger threat. Detroit, I mean, my God, they've already proven that they can hang with the Vikings um, for, the, for the two games this season. Yeah, I would say Washington's probably the more preferred one. You know, it's, it's really going to be interesting here. If the Packers run the table and get some help from other teams losing, okay. are they going to sneak in? Are they going to potentially okay. sneak in on, on, on as the last seed and as Aaron Rodgers' last gasp of trying to trying to prove he can he has it one more time for one more run in them? And to be honest, I think I'd take the Packers at home too. I, they, they, they do not scare me even with the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, one of them at least. If the Packers did end up kind of shocking the world a little bit, going on a run, getting some help here, I think actually that'd be fun too. Wild card weekend against the Packers, bring it on. I love that. Declan Goff, the Green Bay Packers can sneak into whatever the hell they want. <laughs> they are a bunch of bums. In fact, I welcome it. I hope that somehow, some way, the Green Bay Packers leapfrog everybody else for the seventh spot so we can put a nail in the coffin in Aaron Rodgers' career with the Packers. I think they should move on and maybe go with Jordan Love, but if they bring Aaron Rodgers again, as far as I'm concerned, that's an automatic. W for the Vikings twice next year. This dude is finished. Go ahead and sneak into the playoffs. Do whatever it is you want. But one more sidebar here. Yeah. The Detroit Lions. Okay. They've got their three remaining games. The Carolina Panthers, they have played well. The Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers to end the year. That, to me, is a situation to where I can see the Lions winning out. Oh, yeah. If the Commanders fail and especially i think they're going to drop this one next week against the san francisco 49ers that puts them in a good position to possibly get the seven seed but the packers oh do whatever you want okay we'll yeah. celebrate with some cheese sticks absolutely yeah that's where just if if the niners again things you can't control but if the niners can stumble in the one of these next two games that would be absolutely huge for the vikings just in terms of locking up the two seed making sure that you have potentially, um, obviously, your wildcard weekend game with as the two seed, and then you get the divisional round going in at another home game. That would be preferred. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Randy, before we wrap up here, um, any final thoughts going in uh, to the Giants game or the rest of the season or any last takeaways uh, from, the, from the epic comeback against the Indianapolis Colts? There is literally no rhyme or reason to the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> I cannot figure them out to save my life. So I'm done. I'm just going to sit here, sit back, enjoy the rest of this season. They can literally get their asses kicked by anybody, but they can also beat any team in the league. It doesn't make any sense. And you know what? We can talk about, well, it's the Colts and they're 4-9-1 and one and all this other stuff. They still came back. The greatest comeback in the history of the National Football League. This is the wackiest team I've ever seen. It is, man. It's just, it's, it's. Vikings football, right? They played their 1,000th game yesterday, or on Saturday, I keep saying yesterday, Saturday against the Colts. 1,000th game. So it's fitting that, uh, the, that this, this Vikings franchise, who has put us through the ringer and has had epic comebacks and epic collapses in their own rights, pulls off the most biggest and epic comeback in their 1,000th game playing football in the National Football League. It is nuts. The 2022, just embrace the chaos, I, I guess. Embrace all of it. Uh, hit the subscribe button right here on Purple Daily for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Realistic Randy Rants. We go every Monday during the Vikings football season. Of course, go subscribe, uh, go subscribe to the Realistic Randy's YouTube channel for some great Vikings content there as well. Uh, Randy, we'll be back. We got holidays next week, so we actually will we'll, we'll probably figure out schedules uh, yes. going forward 
um, for next week after that Giants game. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll be uh, talking to you next week. 95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great, because the only thing I care about more than football is spicy pepperoni pizza for kickoff. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. Now that's a spicy offer. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at $9.99 each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply.